When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everybody, welcome to the Barca Blagranas podcast. My name is Josh. We are joined to preview the biggest Champions League match Barcelona have had since last year when they got knocked out. Uh, Nick, Nick, how are we doing today? Feeling really good, really excited for everything going on yeah. this week with Bayern coming up. Just can't stop thinking about it. Uh, it's a thrilling week. Uh, Barcelona looked dominant over the weekend. Let's talk about that first. Um, they looked dominant in the second <laughs> The second part of the second half, really, once they brought Robert Lewandowski on, uh, I don't want to give him all all the credit in the world, but it was pretty apparent how different of a team they are with him up top versus uh, Ferran and Depay. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely. The, I don't know. I don't even really know what to take away other than I was a little disappointed. I was kind of hoping Ferran and Depay would be able to be, and maybe they still can. Maybe it was just a bad game, but uh, Ferran Torres looked pretty miserable. <laughs> Yeah, just like a little tweak there. I would have like switched them up in the front, playing in the middle, and then Memphis on the left. And I think that maybe could have been better. But it is true that there's a lot of competition. So when they don't take their opportunities, it's as far as we're concerned, there's no injuries yet. And neither one of them is going to be in the preferred starting 11 when it comes to the most important games. So these are the games against Cadiz, the worst team in the league. They haven't scored any goals. Like if you can't do it against Cadiz, um, it's going to be hard to justify taking, uh, you know, a spot from someone who's been in really good form recently. So I don't think they did themselves any favors. And it is true that the first half was pretty boring. That's all I could think the entire time was, I think I was, I was going to fall asleep, like just nothing really captivating. And uh, and ultimately, it's the forwards that have to go to work and and put away a team like Cadiz, and they didn't really do the job. But I did think Rafinha was working hard. The one thing about him is even when he's not flashy and scoring the goal, he, he works so hard and he looks like he's really going for it. So I still give him props. Um, I think if anyone was looking like they could make something happen, it was him in that game, at least in the first half. Yeah. And I, I, Hector Bellerin uh, made his Barcelona debut just to talk about the defense a little bit. Um, and Barcelona actually have options at the fullback positions now. Um, who do you want to see starting in the Bayern match at right back and left back? Um, I think Alejandro Balde is is just a, a given at this point. He's done mm-hmm. nothing to to justify dropping him. And when you have a young player on good form, you want to give him confidence and just keep riding that and riding that and seeing where it can go. And I think it's just, a you know, t- to give him this game against Bayern Munich is to say, uh, from Xavi's perspective, I trust you. You have my confidence. Now go out and make put in another good showing. Um, kind of so sucks for Marcus Alonso, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think he'll get, have his chances. Well, it is kind of crowded on the left side all of a sudden with uh, with um, him and Jordi Alba. It'll be interesting to see if they ever play with wing backs because then Marcus Alonso is kind of, although to be honest, Alejandro Balde could be very good in the route as a wing back as well, as he's already proven. And on the right side, um, 
Definitely, I don't think it's Hector Bellerin. I think it's going to be uh, Kunde, and then Araujo is going to play in the middle. I don't think that's what Kunde wants, but um, on the right side, you're going to get the. It's going to be interesting. So I was looking back at the what they did last season and in Xavi's game against Bayern Munich, which was one of his first games at the way into the Champions League. That was the first time he experimented with using Araujo as a right back. I think, or one of the first times to shut down Alfonso Davies. And uh, so that's good. That's very conservative. But with Kunde, I think you're getting someone who can provide an offensive threat as a fullback, even with size natural position, and he's more sturdy defensively. So I'm, I'm expecting to see Kunde on the right side. And I think it's a good choice. Um, Frankie de Jong looked incredible. I think any Barcelona fan that talked about Frankie de Jong's on the pitch performance was obviously, uh, we were kind of aghast that there was a chance of him leaving. Uh, and I think in the match over the weekend, you saw why, and I am more than excited to see him against the Bayern midfield. Yeah. And it's not a, a, a it's kind of the biggest question, Frankie or Gabi. I don't know. I really don't know what he's going to, I don't know if we're actually going to see Frankie play that much against Bayern Munich. You, you think he's going to pick Gabi? Um, yes, I think he is going to pick Gabi. I, wow. I, I wouldn't pick Gabi. I would pick Frankie if it was, if it was my decision, because I think ultimately against Bayern Munich, you do want to control the game. And it's on the one hand, like Frankie's played in a lot of these games that have been so bad over the years, but Frankie was never the problem. And right now in this new revamped Barcelona team, having Frankie there, um, he works hard. Maybe he's not going to win as many balls as Gavi would. So if you really want that toughness and someone's a ball winner, um, or maybe because at this point, everyone keeps speculating that Gavi hasn't signed his new contract and Xavi's just trying to make him feel important. Um, but to me, that's not enough in a game like this, you need the most quality on the pitch and the most experience. So I would go with Frankie, but I would be surprised to see him playing because Chavis keeps signaling that when he has to choose between the two of them, he chooses Gavi. Wow. Um, let's pivot to some off the pitch stuff before we kind of get into some of the details about the Byron match. Uh, let's talk about Antoine Griezmann. Um, this is a story kind of just because Barcelona are reportedly thinking of suing. Atletico Madrid now because of the strange uh, loan circumstances that I guess Barcelona are under the impression, right or wrong, that the minutes um, limit was over the first season of the loan, not both seasons, and are suing because last year Griezmann uh, played more than the, I think, 45 minutes per average or whatever the minutes was it 45 minutes? It's um, I think it's 45 in X amount of games. So they have it down to a T again. Yeah, I think it was 45. Yeah, I think it was 45 minutes over like the matches he was, quote, available to play in. So last year he exceeded that. And this year he's obviously, uh, he's only being brought on <laughs> post like 60 minutes. Yeah. So just to bring that average down, uh, Atletico Madrid, you know, cash-strapped team uh, like the rest of us are trying to save some money. Yeah. What do you make of this? Because it seems like it'd be pretty easy to look in the contract and see that it says over the two-year loan deal, Griezmann will play X number. Like, if it's that simple, why do they think they have some sort of case here? Like, Atletico have all the leverage in the world. I don't think legally Burst is going to get anywhere with this. I think at the end of the day, it's like, how silly are these contracts and these agreements? Like, how can things be so overly complicated when you put in these conditions then all of a sudden you have a loophole at the end, unless Griezmann was lighting up the world, which he did not do last year at Atletico Madrid, then Atletico has every, you know, could, because the condition is there for this exact reason, I'm sure when they made the agreement with Barcelona, that uh, 
it, they wouldn't have to pay 40 million euros to sign him. And uh, maybe it's not in good faith, but it's just kind of like the silly stuff that Barcelona does sometimes when it comes to um, the financial um, engineering, all this like magical accounting that they do, try to make things work. And it's at the end of the day, they can they can try to um, kind of intimidate Atletico right now, but I don't think they're going to have much of a case legally. And the funny thing is Griezmann actually looks pretty good this season compared to last year. So I think Simeone would want to use him if he could, um, but he's not going to because it's not in the club's interest. So he's just going to be their, their super sub that comes in at the 60th minute and maybe helps them win games later, get results when they need it. It's just silly to me because you know that there's negotiating happening about the final cost. Cause I think it's 40 million if he plays over the um, allotted number of minutes. And if he doesn't, like Barcelona don't want his wage bill back. Yeah. Like that's not something they're interested in. So it's kind of in their best interest to cut a deal. Like that makes the most sense. Like whether it's 10 or 15, like you have to cut your losses at this point. Yep. I totally agree. I think that's going to end up happening. And in order for that to happen, you also have to have a relationship with them to actually cut a deal because it let it go. Could he play harder ball than that and say, no, it'll just be zero and uh he comes back to you next year but in the end i think you're right they'll have to just take whatever they can get and move on and because honestly, it's all about the wage bill and honestly if i'm i mean this sounds stupid if i'm atletico madrid like why not just do that like you could really squeeze it and get like almost like nothing for griezmann because of his age because of how badly barcelona don't want him back mm-hmm. It seems like they could literally just like get it down to like a stupid low number, like maybe beneath ten. Who knows? I think legally like, though, which would be um, Barcelona has to make the first move in that. Like it wouldn't work if Atletico said started negotiating first. You know, Barcelona has to be the first one to say how about twenty million or twenty five million. I think if Atletico, it would, it would it would kind of give away the game, and like legally they couldn't do that. Atletico, so I think the first move has to be made by Barca. To want that to happen. Well, they have, they have they have plenty of time. Uh, they have plenty of time for Barcelona's lawsuit to get slapped down in court, and then for them to meet over you know drinks at a nice hotel somewhere in Spain, and that first uh, negotiation is made, and then Barcelona end up getting fleeced because that's what happens when you pay a ridiculous sum of money. Like, I mean, how much did they get for Philippe Coutinho? Do, do you remember? I think it was like twenty. I want to say it's in that ball. Maybe it was thirty actually, but it wasn't nearly as much as they paid for him. Uh, so they definitely 30 sounds right. I think it was more like 30, but he is also, he is, I think a year and a half younger than Griezmann. He's 30 and Griezmann, I think is about to be 32. So I don't know. It's just interesting. Hey, at least, you know, the money we paid for Dembele, you could argue was almost worth it at this point. Like we're almost there. We're at like 95% of the way there of that crazy number being like, Oh, it was worth it. Uh, so, you know, we can just hold on to that and forget about Griezmann. Better move forward. Yeah. And at the very least, at least Dembele is still there and finally showing, I don't know what the final is showing, but he's really reaching his potential. So focus on that. So bringing up Dembele, did you see his quotes about his injuries? Which the ones about because he was young and didn't know how to take care of himself at the time. And now he feels like he's more, he's more mature. Is that what those are the quotes you're saying? Yes. Yeah. yeah I'm going to find them real quick because I thought it was fascinating. I think it's just I good it PR. Like, I just like him seeing, like, kind of playing the PR game a little bit now and defending himself and even kind of throwing a bone to his critics saying, yeah, I was a bit immature in the past, um, but now you got to love me because I'm admitting that. And um, uh, and now you can take, on, you know, you can win part of the argument and saying, yeah, I was immature, but you can't continue hating me now because because he is such a divisive player. So even to this day, it's amazing how you either love him or for some reason you still find ways to, 
to hate on him. But uh, it's hard to hate on I'm gonna, him. I'm going to read the so well. I'm going to read the quotes because it wasn't even him saying it was he was immature. It was, he kind of went further than that. He said, quote, the injuries came because when I was 20, I didn't work as hard as I do now. Hmm. Uh, if you want to be a great player, you have to work. Your talent is not enough. I didn't know that before, but now I see that it's essential to work on and off the pitch. It's clear that if you don't work, you can't enjoy football. You're not going to play much and you're going to get injured. Now I'm stronger. Which is, I mean, it's fa- here's the thing. It's good self-awareness to admit you didn't work as hard as you should. Yeah. I still find it weird that he struggled with injuries so much here, but didn't struggle at Dortmund nearly as much. I still like there's still a gap there. Like he was younger at Dortmund, so I don't know. It doesn't make a lot of sense. All I know, it's it's cool. It's good self awareness, right? Like it's all you can ask from somebody. Well, and okay, and the other part of it is like, yeah, okay, he was young, and it's not just a Dembele problem. It's the fact that he came in and Valverde was the coach. Respect to Valverde, he's doing a very good job with Athletic Bilbao right now. But he wasn't a great Barcelona coach, and the staff he had with him. It wasn't good for a young player like Dembélé who needed mentorship and needed someone to give him mm-hmm. some direction and some structure. And he wasn't the only player to like really struggle during those years as a result of it. Maybe even Coutinho, a better coach, could have integrated Griezmann and Coutinho, or maybe they wouldn't have signed him to begin with. So it, everything about Barcelona right now is just better. And I think he is working harder, and he's more mature, and you know, the team is so much stronger because of it. Agreed. All right, let's talk about Bayern Munich. Uh, they've had a little bit of a, a slow start this season. Um, I think, strangely enough, if we look at the Bundesliga table, I believe they are sitting fourth right now, which is pretty hilarious. Uh, I don't think any of us actually expect that to last. Uh, yeah, no. no, so I'm sorry, they're sitting third. They're, they're in a three-way tie for third place, although they're only two points back. It's not like they've been bad this year. They've scored 19 goals, which is the most in the Bundesliga by six. They uh, have conceded five, which is fine, I guess. Um, they looked pretty good against Inter last week, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. As someone that was kind of expecting more of Inter, I was a little disappointed in their performance. They've looked a little meh so far this year. But Bayern went into the San Siro and took care of business, which is all you can ask for. Uh, at the same time, I don't know if I'm necessarily like... I don't know if I'm terrified of them anymore. And I think you wrote a good piece about um, Barcelona and Lewandowski. Let me let me get the exact title. Barcelona and Lewandowski can take down Bayern Munich, and I 100% agree with you. Uh, the offense looks thrilling. The defense looks solid. They have reinforcements now at the fullback positions. Ter Stegen looks a little more solid, even though he hasn't had to do that much. Um, mm-hmm. What's the case for Barcelona going into Germany and coming out with three points? Well, I just think they're a lot more threatening um, and they have a system that's that actually works. Last year, they were just a total mess in the fall. So they weren't able to do anything because they didn't even have like players who were available. Um, and before that, in that 8-2 thrashing, they were just, you know, it was Kike Setien who was the coach. And um, yeah, Messi was there and you had all these like players who had been around for a very long time, but there just still wasn't a system. They were so disjointed. Right now, I think they're organized. I think they have a coach that pushes them and demands more. And they're in really good form. And not to mention, I think Lewandowski is the X factor. You have him on your team, you're going to have someone who's going to get goals. And he's just someone who's going to inspire confidence when he's on the pitch. And, you know, I think they have just a better team from top to bottom right now. I think they have better wingers with Dembele and Rafinha. I think they have a better center forward. Bayern Munich doesn't even have a center forward. They've just been experimenting. So I think they'll probably use Sadio Mane in that role. 
Um, I think Byron, like you mentioned, does have a good defense right now. So, you know, you'll have to be creative and finding ways to break them down. Although I think it's going to be a very open back and forth game. So I think both defenses are going to have to be ready um, and be at their best in order for it to work. And, uh, but more than anything else, I think on the defensive end for Barcelona, they're just a lot more reliable at this point. Tristegan looks amazing. Um, I think that, uh, Alfonso Davies, who's, you know, really hurt Barcelona a lot over the last couple of years, is going to have a hard time going up against either Araujo or Kunde. And more than anything else, I think Barcelona just has belief in themselves. Last year, it just seemed like they won those games and weren't even trying to win. They kind of gave up before they even started. And that makes all the difference, having a coach that, you know, makes you feel like you're the better team and the expectation is that you're going to go in there and win. And I think they can do it. Yeah, so... Just because uh, the Premier League wasn't on this weekend uh, and Byron had an early game for once, I watched their match over the weekend. Uh, it was a 2-2 draw against uh, Stuttgart. And they obviously, like, they didn't play They didn't play the best starting 11. Mane wasn't out there. Um, Leroy Sané wasn't out there. Like, if you look at their lineup against Inter, they I don't even think Coman was out there. So against Inter, they had Mane as the number nine with Muller right behind him and then Sané and Coman on the flanks. Um, which is a little bit of a strange. It's strange to see Bayern Munich with like four attack-minded players, and then only having Kimmich and I can't even remember who the other midfielder was that they played with um, against Inter. But like you said, the defense is still good. Like, like they have delight looking unbelievable. Like Juventus couldn't, for whatever reason, figure out how to use like one of the best center backs in the world in Bayern immediately. Just throw him into the mix, and he's ridiculous. Lucas Hernandez looks incredible, and then you still have Alfonso Davies on the outside, and newer in the goal. Um, the Bayern mm -hmm. attack is somewhat of an enigma right now because they've scored a lot of goals or somewhat of a lot of goals. And I think part of that is due to a 7-0 win they had early on in Bundesliga. <laughs> uh, yes. But in the last like couple weeks, the attack has looked kind of strained. And I don't really know why. Do you have any theories? I, I don't know if you've gotten a chance to watch any Bayern matches so far this year. But just in theory, like... Their attack doesn't make much sense because I don't know if they actually expected to lose Lewandowski and now they don't have a traditional striker anymore. I think that's the main thing. It looks like they're back to playing a 4-2-3-1 under Nagelsmann, which is interesting because Hansi Flick was the guy who like invented that and made it so popular around the world. Um, so I think they're you know back to using the formation that worked for them over the years, but without a number nine, things just don't work. You can have these good wingers. I think they have very good wingers and they have different players, like you mentioned, who have kind of rotated in and out of there. Um, I think Mueller, like playing him in the 10 worked when Lewandowski was in front of him, but right now I don't think it works nearly as well. I don't, I think ultimately Sadio Mane should be on the left wing. He shouldn't be a center forward, but I think they will play him as a center forward. So it's going to take time and I'm not sure it's ever really going to click. Uh, I think that's the main thing, the, the problem with the center forward. I think Nagelsmann's having a lot of the same issues that Pep Guardiola had when he went to Bayern Munich. Um, like, what can you really do if you're a great coach who apparently has all these great ideas and one of the best in the world, but you go into a place that's already won everything? How do you reinvent that? And I think some of those struggles are just, you know, a team that it's really hard to, when you're so good, staying motivated and being at and staying at the top. So for whatever reason, I do think that they're just not nearly as intimidating as they used to be. And that Barcelona is the team right now whose reputation is growing so quickly and uh, they should take advantage of that. I think they are just a better attacking team, a lot more threatening. Um, but at the end of the day, I think it's ultimately it's you have two very good teams and who's ever better on the day is going to win the game. Yeah, like I think just looking at the talent that's going to be on the pitch for this game from front to back, 
there is not one like <laughs> the biggest like Byron's team is like the the position by position talent is ridiculous. It just doesn't make sense because Mane isn't playing in his traditional role. And so that's like that's their gap right now in my opinion. Um I think that's pretty obvious, right? That's what we just talked about. But from top to bottom like player by player, the amount of talent that's going to be on the pitch this game is ridiculous. Like the biggest weak point is maybe Barcelona's like right back position. Like maybe that's like the, <laughs> the least talented part on the pitch and even that's not that bad. Um Barcelona like can go toe to toe with this Bayern team. I think the defense is just about as good as this Bayern team. They might have mm-hmm. the midfield advantage this time around, and they definitely, in my opinion, have the attacking advantage. Um, you mentioned the, the wingers for Bayern Munich. Just like the, thinking of the assuming Xavi goes with Rafinha and Dembele, um, having Rafinha, Dembele, Sane, Komen, and then you know assuming Ansu Fati comes in, like the amount of young attacking talent on the wings in this game, like it's going to be. The, the speed is ridiculous. Like when I think of fast players, I think of kings like Coman and Usman Dembele, and the fact that they're just like, I don't know. This is going to be a thrilling mm-hmm. match. I'm <laughs> is what I'm trying to stumble out. Yeah, I, I agree. It's I think there's going to be goals scored. I think it's going to be back and forth. And even if not a lot of goals are scored, it's going to be so many opportunities, and maybe the, the defenders will just have to step up and like limit the damage that these guys can do. And we didn't even mention like the Musiala, and apparently they have a 17 year old Bayern Munich. His name is like Tell. Um, yes, his first name. he, he, he played over the weekend. Yeah, so he, maybe he could feature him and Ansufati, these Gavi, two 17-year-olds on the field. It's um, ridiculous. Yeah, I, uh, you know, this is going to be fantastic to see them in the group stage. I got a feeling that Inter is, is the one who's kind of like worried. I hope that, that that's how it stays because um, these guys can match up against each other again sometime in the spring. Um, I, if, yeah, it's, it's pretty insane. Just thinking about like a conversation that you and I, you know, could have had 12 months ago, just like thinking about, hey, if I told you like, hey, 12 months from now, we're going to be going into Bayern Munich and we will both be confident that Barcelona are more than capable of getting three points. Like, that's just crazy to me what they've done in 12 months. It is. And a year ago it was, oh, I hope they don't embarrass themselves because it's not looking good. And one more point, um, you know, Byron's problem now is almost versus problem a year ago. We didn't have a center forward. So we're using Memphis to play as like the pseudo forward. And now we have Lewandowski came here and they're the ones who are searching for the center forward. And I think that might be ultimately the thing that gives Barca the advantage in this game. So just as we wrap up, if I'm being honest, I'm I'm slightly surprised that Lewandowski is doing what he's doing. And that's not to like diminish his quality as a player. It's to say like, I guess I thought the system at Byron helped him a little bit. And I think it did, but I also didn't think that the system at Barcelona would be like a perfect slot in for him. And I guess I'm an idiot for not seeing that because the wing talent we have is incredible. But are you like, are you even a little bit surprised at how good Lewandowski's been or is this what you expected? Well, I think this is exactly what he wanted to prove. Anyone who said I expected this, I think is not being sincere. Lewandowski wanted to prove that it wasn't just Bayern Munich in the system. He did it at Dortmund, he did it at Bayern Munich. If he went to Barcelona, he's such a good player who works so hard and is so professional and is so good at what he does that he can find a way to score goals. But I do think the Barca system as it is right now suits him so well. And it's really not that different from the Bayern Munich system. These Mm -hmm. teams are not that different. Like now, especially what Barcelona is now and what Bayern Munich has been for the last few years and what Barcelona was going back to Luis Enrique is these teams, the way they play, they like to possess. They have this dynamic wing play. 
Um, now they have a center forward Barcelona, but at the end of the day, they're not that different. And uh, so maybe it's not that surprising that he could integrate himself so quickly. But let's be honest, nine goals and two assists in how many games, six games in all competitions so far, he's on fire. <laughs> and more than anything else, he is a leader. And I don't mean any offense to Messi. Messi was never really a leader on the field. Like Barca really has always been leaderless, in my opinion. I can't think of one even in the last 10 years who was like a good leader. And I feel like that's one of the most amazing things right now, that everyone like looks to him as the guy who that they who they can follow. And that's amazing. It's ridiculous. The last and time the coach, Barca... And Chavi is a good leader too. So him and Chavi, that was my point in my article. You have two great leaders now. So Barcelona um, in the last decade... Have beaten Bayern Munich one of the one of the one two three four five six seven, one of the last seven matches. That was the three zero win um, in two thousand fifteen, um, and then they that was in the the semifinals. Uh, so one win in the last decade. Um, I can't believe we're here. I think overall balance. I think Bayern have won nine. Barcelona have won. Let's see two. So they're definitely like this is a. <laughs> This is a matchup that has not favored them, uh, especially over the last couple of years, but it seems like we're turning a corner and I'm excited. I can't wait. Be excited. Let's be excited. Let's not have low expectations. This is an exciting team that, um, you know, everyone and the more that we get behind them and tell them like the fans are behind you. We want to win everything. You can beat Bayern Munich. You can beat everyone. This Mm -hmm. is going to be a great season. It's going to be a good time, Nick. Thank you for joining us. Everyone, enjoy the match. If you're not subscribed to the podcast, be sure to do so. Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and all the places. Nick, thank you so much for your time. Thanks.